0: I'm Gab. He's Jules. Uh, no idea still of the weather in West London because we're still in Doha. not going on, and guess what, Jules? It's the Elite Eight. It's oh, perfect. yes. We're getting we're getting psyched. We've got some huge games uh, ahead. England against France. We've got Holland against Argentina. Mwah. Yes. Uh, we've got Portugal. They're plugging on. They'll yeah. be playing uh, Morocco and, of course, Brazil against we've Croatia. Co- Brazil against Croatia. The last one. But we're going to come. We're going to be back on Friday. You get us again in 48 hours. That's our. That's our gift to you. So we'll be. We, that's going to be after the 1st semifinal. we We'll be looking at the second one. Um, but there's one place I think for us to start logically. The biggest up to Morocco and Spain. Jules, that shirt is getting a lot of use. What a team! Incredible. And it needs to get it. It's rightly so because let you in a little secret here. Every World Cup, for the ambiance, you obviously all want your team to do well, but you also want the host nation to do well because everybody's jazzed, everybody's hyped, there's a feeling. Morocco are like the host nation now. Cutter's out, Cutter were terrible. There's so many Moroccans here. They've been adopted by all the people from the Gulf who who live here. Uh, There's no question. I mean, it feels like they are one home nation. Argentina, probably the other home yeah, nation, just sure, because for sure. there's 40,000 Argentina fans here.
1: But they represent Africa and, and Morocco to start, of course. All the diaspora of Moroccan who live everywhere in France, for example, where there's obviously a strong community. But in the U.S., in England, we saw the the joy everywhere in the streets of all the big cities around the world. But they represent Africa as well, of course, and they represent the Arabic world. And I think for them to be to be the first Arabic country to reach the quarterfinals of the World Cup, African countries have done it before. Of course, Cameroon, Ghana in 2010. But, but as, an, as an Arabic nation, for them to do it for the first time in 1986, Morocco lost to West Germany and the Matthäus let goal uh, to lose in the last 16. So this is a historical, this was a, histor- a historical day for them. And you understand why the support is so big. And I was at that game and the atmosphere was just incredible. All right, let's talk about the game. You know, normally we like to pick holes because, you know,
0: we sit there and we talk and we criticize because we're in the media. But before we criticize Spain, and I think we both have a lot of criticism yeah. for Spain here, um, let's start with Morocco because obviously they knew that Spain were going to have the bulk of the possession. I didn't think they just sat and defended. I thought they were physical. I thought they were intelligent. They let Spain have the ball in areas where they couldn't hurt them. When they could, Hakimi on the right, Masrawi on the left, they tried to break. Um, they have that individual quality in Ziyech and and Buffa, by the way, that, that little techers oh. move Buffa had.
1: Llorente is still looking for his back oh somewhere on the pitch. Uh, Marcos Llorente, I'm sorry. sorry. You're
0: very handsome. I love you, but. but come no, on, man. he right. He uh, made you dance there, big time. So, really, I think tactically, this was a game where he adjusted his game plan to
1: Spain, and it worked. Yeah, this was very much the message that Walid Regragui had for his players to be narrow, to force them to go wide, which they did, to prevent the passes from. Rodri or Busquets towards Gavi and Pedri and if you look at what Amala did and Unai did they closed the inside so well that you could not find Gavi, you could not find Pedri unless they were on the halfway line which is not where you want them to be and then yes they didn't create much and in a sense Rodri is right after the game when he said well Marco did nothing, yeah but I don't think the idea was that, the idea was to frustrate Spain and then see on the counter on the set piece what they could do but I thought they were heroics in the way they defended they were heroics how they played for each other, fought for each other, and played as a team. And on top of that, you had the individual brilliance over Amrabat, Rabat, over Ziyech, over Saïs, who ended the game on one leg, literally okay. limping and still was there fighting. It was an I incredible, mean, inspiring performance. I, I think if we had to hang out, you know, single people out,
0: hang out, kind of match awards... Ashraf Hakimi would be there. Buno would
1: be there. Yeah, of course. Um, Diech,
0: obviously, with his quality. Buffal, just for that highlight, real yeah.
1: move. and Unai, who even Luis Enrique but, said, Who's that number eight that you had? Where does he come from? But for me, Sofiane Amrabat, the pride of Florence. You talk about
0: a one man wrecking crew in that midfield. He covered so much ground. He did it with quality, he did it with intensity. Uh, I mean, he didn't just take on the little guys, Pedri and Gavi, who I think are still in his pocket. But he took on Busquets. He took on
1: Morata when he came on, when he dropped off, when Rodri stepped into the midfield. And you know the worst is that the night before until 3 a.m., because he had back problems, he stayed with the physio working on his back. He played with an injection, which, trust me... It's not easy. You know, you don't feel anything from your upper body down because that's what the, the, the injection numb your body, basically. So you don't feel the pain, but you don't feel anything else. And for him to put up a performance like this. And of course, you could say that all the game was in front of him, which is easier to defend than if you have to turn around and run towards your goal. Yet his intelligence and the vista to like, I mean, the recovery of the ball, etc. was just outstanding. Now,
0: we as often happens, these games go on. There's a lot of substitutes. By the way, all those people are like oh, five substitutions ruined the game. Uh, I want to say this: we had well, we had six substitutions, of course, for each team because it went into extra time. Yeah. But I try to imagine what this game would have been with three substitutes. With three substitutes, you wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been, the intensity would have really yeah, impacted massively. them. The game would have slowed to a crawl, and we would have had basically nothing for the last half hour. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with honestly, you. like. I thank you for the five substitutions. Of yeah, this one, no, I agree. Especially, I think, in a World Cup setting. Um, but as the game wears on, extra time, teams get sloppy, you get chances. Two of the chances fall for the guy who I was rooting for in particular because I believe I'm right in saying he is the last Italian left in the World Cup. He Obviously, is he's Italian of, um, of Moroccan origin, which is why he opted to play in for, uh, for Morocco, I think, last year. Walid Kadira, he plays for Badi in Serie B. He scored a lot of goals for them as well. I uh, scored a lot, yeah, this season a lot of goals. But like those two chances. So the first one, I thought, dude, you gotta finish better. The
1: second one, he runs and runs and runs and runs and he gets there. And he's like he doesn't know what to do. And then the defenders close him down. And you, you would fit on the second one, especially because of the in the stadium, everybody was like, Oh my word, oh my word, he's going he's going, he's going, he's still going, he's still Oh, what, what happened there? I mean, the ball—it was like—but but it showed as well the spirit that they had, you know. And that's, of course, they were going to always play on the counter. They can't—they can't—win against Spain by playing them off the park. This is not possible. Right. No one can do that. Um, that's why I find the criticism of how Morocco played a bit a bit harsh. But that was that was good, and he came on and did the job that Regragui wanted him to do. Yeah, of course, he could have done finished better, especially the one that Unai gives him, that is so good. But eventually, at some point, it felt like Morocco were just playing for the penalties anyway.
0: And I I haven't run through it, but I think part of the reason, not to get political here, part of the reason why Morocco resonates in a place like this, where, as we said, 90% of the population who live in in, in Qatar aren't actually from Qatar, um, this Moroccan team is made made up largely uh, of... The children of immigrants, people yeah, who yeah. had to move, or so be
1: nationals. They are both. They all, all almost all of them have two nationalities. Bruno, I think, has
0: been uh, Argentina.
1: Kedira he was born in Montreal in, in Canada. In in so Bruno was born in
0: Montreal. Yeah, but he also spent time in Argentina. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. Also,
1: yeah, but he was born. Kedira,
0: yeah. obviously uh, uh, Italian, uh, Amrabat and Ziesh, uh
1: Dutch. Yeah. Uh, as well, and then all the French: Saez, Bufal. Yeah.
0: Ashraf Hakimi,
1: of Unai. course, Spanish. Very yeah, yeah. Madrileño, in yeah. fact.
0: Uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And I think it kind of underscores how the World Cup often kind of
1: reflects how the world around us yeah, cool, is really. also changing. And what was lovely, seeing the players after the game as well, is the pride for all of them who grew up with two cultures, you know, and it, which is, I think, fascinating. And again, we go back to the same point, but this is what we are and our family is the yeah. same. But to show so much pride as well and... Well, I think something that the, the Moroccan Federation did really, really well, they invited all the families, all paid yeah. by the king. They were all there. For example, Walid Regragui's mum, Fatima, who spent 50 years in Paris, who never travelled. When he was a pro, she never went to see him. She never went to watch him. And yet she's here in Qatar. And she's been such an inspiration for her own son, who's been a, he's a young manager. He's, he's had eight games in charge of Morocco and they're in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. But I think for him to see his mum in the stands when she's never yeah. been there when he played it has been something special, and we saw Hakimi with his mom, those very moving uh, images and footage as well. I think it's incredible to have that kind of emotions and support. It's a remarkable story. And on the dual nationality piece, like I said, Jules Jewel, and I
0: speaking out of the same hymn sheet because our kids are dual nationality, yeah. triple nationality, Even kids. Yeah. Uh, guys, you can be 100% one nationality and 100% another nationality. I, I don't know how Definitely. people feel this way or, or whatever, but there's no sense of split loyalty. You're not 50-50. You're 100-100. I know it doesn't make sense math-wise, but it makes sense in real life. It, it's how you feel, you know, exactly. simple as. Exactly.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. All right,
1: you know what I love just to finish on that I saw Unai after the game and he said you know the thing with Bunu? and Bunu is such a love one of the nicest guys in football and he speaks Arabic and Spanish and French and English and he- his voice is so sweet like, everything is great about him and Unai said we knew that if we were getting to the pens he would win us the game he said we knew it before even before the start and he said we didn't play for the pens but we knew that if we got to the pens then Bunu would win us the game and I think they went into that penalty shootout not overconfident, but knowing that in goal they had a guy who was going to do the job. And I think that must, that must make it so easier when you're a taker. And they missed, obviously they missed one. But knowing that you had that feeling deep inside that your guy in goal is going to win it anyway for you. I have to say, a
0: lot of, a lot of teams after they win on penalties and their goalkeeper saves something, they always say that afterwards. But in this case, I, I kind of want to believe it. Yeah, me too. Um, we're going to move on to Spain. And before we start the inquest, since let's, you just mentioned the penalties, let's start with the penalties. Because obviously Spain knocked out on penalties by... Russia? By, by, by Russia. And close calls against Switzerland in, uh, in, in Euro twenty. Yeah, uh, and by Italy as
1: well in the last Euros, of course.
0: And he said, oh, I've told my players to practice a 1,000 penalties before the next one. And then he does something so weird. You describe it. I missed this at the time with the penalty takers.
1: Yeah, and I mean, watching it from, the, from where we were in the press box, and we had the, the, the camera that you could not see in your, on your broadcast television, but it looked like he picked three players and then disappeared completely and then let the players pick the other two and the order by themselves. So you could see Busquets writing down the name on a piece of paper before giving. And I was like, okay, this is weird. But I was not too sure. After the game, he said, yeah, yeah, I only picked, I only picked three out of the five, and maybe I to this give is
0: responsibility
1: to my players. But then, but even if that's what you want to do, at least stay with them. You know, be there, be part of the process. I don't understand how he can pick three and then just and then just leaves and <laughs> then let Busquets, the captain, and the other deciding. Okay, who else wants to go? What order? Who goes first? Who goes last? I don't know. I thought that was reasonable. Really and then he sat on the bench when everybody was standing up in front of the bench. He sat on the bench to follow the shootout, and I was like, well. This strange. doesn't feel like he's it, part of the whole thing. It feels like it's the kind of thing, and I hate to say
0: this because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Luis Enrique fan. I love him as a person. It feels like the kind of thing that you do if afterwards you want to write a book about coaching philosophy and, oh, look at these weird, unusual, counterintuitive things like I do, like, you know,
1: telling Busquets, oh, you sort out the rest. Right, I know, and exactly. Three I and don't then know. Going off and, and, and they could have still won it. I don't know. Maybe not. But the fact is, they didn't win it, and I don't know if that had an impact or not. I'm just saying that I've never seen that before.
0: I, I, I think also, I know Sarabia and Soler have a good penalty record and so on, but I don't know. I kind of feel like psychologically again, you start with two of your less heralded players taking the penalties, you know, and you still had Pedri on the pitch, you had Rodri on the pitch, you had Morata on the pitch, right? Who all could have taken penalties at that stage. Ansu Fati as well. Um, And then then Busquets comes up. I didn't, I'm sure Busquets has taken penalties before, but you don't think of Busquets. It almost feels like, oh, Sergio, you're the captain, you're the inspirational leader, and... Then you take
1: the you take the third penalty and then we figure out who goes out. I mean I know. he might have taken one but I don't remember and from the research that we did and producer Mikey as well, we could not find a record of him taking another pen. So what? You send him in. To be fair, when you play with Messi and Neymar, yeah, okay. not, true. Three true. But, yeah. but then it's another reason why why are you sending him to take one then then? Because he's the captain. I, 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 don't, I, I, mean, don't, know. I don't know what kind of
0: weirdo psychology but sometimes you don't need psychology. Sometimes yep. You have the better players, right? You have – we will compare it to cooking a meal. You have the better ingredients. Yeah. Just go cook something simple with your better ingredients, and it will be better than whatever couscous the other guy comes up with because he's got crappier ingredients. But you know what? On the day, you managed to screw up the recipe, and the other guy with the lesser ingredients outsmarted you, outcoached you, and outworked you. Yeah. And, and that can't happen, and it can't happen
1: when we saw it happen in the game before against Japan as well. I know. I know. It's like they were warned and they didn't take anything from that defeat. And then you know what I think? I think they underestimated this Morocco side massively. I think massively. I under- think they underestimated Japan too, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at least Japan should have been okay, look, this is what happens. We, can be in, we, we might be in this situation again. And oh we play Morocco? Okay, we all knew how Morocco would play. It was so it was a no brainer. We only we said it on the show. On the F C show I said this Morocco side is gonna cause them a lot of problems, they're gonna be so defensive and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to Penn and then Penn's anything like that. All of that. So how can you not more prepared and just pass the ball sideways again? Gavi and Pedri on the halfway line. That's not why I want Pedri and Gavi that, they can not impact the game whatsoever in there. They need to find space somewhere between the lines on the edge of the box to turn to play one touch quick football. Instead, it was so, so bad. The other thing which struck me, one of the changes he did make, which
0: I kind of liked and I would have liked. I'm a big Marcos Llorente fan. Um, and obviously, he's played wing back for yeah. Real Madrid with some success. I don't know how often he's actually played right back in the back four for the national team. It seemed like an odd change to make when you've got Carvajal and Aspilicueta. And obviously, Carvajal wasn't great in the previous game. Espilicueta, yeah. I think, had a knock as well. But I don't know if this is the guy you want defending one on one. No,
1: but he moved him like almost inside, almost like a, what Pep Guardiola does with his full bags for most of the game. to no no impact because that was also taking Gavi's kind of area. So then Gavi or Pedri, more Pedri had to again drop deeper and we go back to the halfway line where I don't want to see Pedri anyway.
0: Well, and this brings us back to the point about the stereotype of the Spain team, this pass, 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 death by possession, until you see an opening and you shoot. And then they never saw an opening and never shot. And the obvious question is, why can't you be more vertical? And he defended himself before saying, we have to play this way. This is the way, this is the only way we know how to play. And I'm sorry, Lucho, when you say these things, at least come out and say, this is how I want to play because this is my vision of football. Because this is not the only way you can play. Because we've seen Ferran Torres be, the, be direct. Yeah. Dani Olmo at Leipzig, that's all about directness. It's all about north-south. And if you think those guys can't do it, then on the bench, obviously, you have Morata, obviously. Yeah. But, but you also have Nico, who we brought on. Who's more direct than Nico? Nobody. But he, he and at this the game. end, if they're all stuck there and they're all making a big lump in front of the box and you
1: want the guy with the one-on-one and the magic, why bring on Ansu Fati so late? But that game was crying for Nico and Ansu. It was crying. Like, after, after five minutes, it looked like, okay, they will need pace and they will need some wingers who will take on defenders and then cross the board in. So... The best, I will tell you what the best starting eleven would have been, 100%. And it's not because we've got hindsight that we can say. But you put Morata in there and you put Ansu Fati and Nico on each side. And then if you want after, if that doesn't work, bring on Asensio, Dani Olmo, Ferran Torres, whoever you want, your daughter's boyfriend. But, but, but it was always going to be like that. And as soon as Nico came on, and Nico is not perfect, he's still a kid. But you could see it twice or three times. Him taking on... Um, Mazraoui who is also a right footer playing at left back taking him on good crosses being threatening on that side that's that's all they needed Mazraoui not exactly the best one-on-one defender no and not fully fit either
0: so. I mean I, I, I th- I, I th- I'm assuming he had some reservations about Nico's technical ability you
1: know relative I to Ferran they needed some pace but at it. some
0: point you need to mix it up
1: can Lucho stay now? So Should he big, stay?
0: Does, he, does the federation want him to stay? That's the big question. I, for me, personally, I find... Right, personally, I'd be surprised if Lucho wants to stay in the sense that he's made his money. He has all his interests outside football. He's a cultured man. He goes and, and, and he runs a marathon. Yeah, or cycles and, for hours. Yeah. You know, does whatever, right? So he may like, like, eh, why do I need this if I'm going to get abused, right? I, I could see him doing that. And it would live up to the character of Lucho. I think at some point, if I'm the federation, I tell Lucho, Lucho, this is your plan of football, but we think it's problematic. It was problematic at the Euros where you, when you played your best game against Italy. You deserved to win, but you lost that game. And in previous games, you nearly got knocked out on yeah. so many occasions. Like... Can but you, you know you well. European football and look how other teams
1: play? Why can't we play like that? I know, but you know him. And you know he's the most stubborn man in football in Spain by a mile. He's not going to change. But he's, he's not, not going to
0: change. He's stubborn in the sense that I think he sees himself as standing for something bigger. He's not one of those guys who's stubborn because he's just stupid and he hates being told no. He just believes in this.
2: So yeah, no, if you going to embrace him,
0: you have to embrace him all the way. And I genuinely don't know if he's the right choice for, for the Spanish FA at this point. All right, enough, Lucho. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Jules, neither one of us thought Fernando Santos was going to drop Cristiano Ronaldo. He proved us both wrong, Yeah. and Portugal sailed to a 6-1 demolition of Switzerland. Uh, I, don't, I know how to say thank you in Portuguese. That's obrigado. I do, not say, I do not know how to say sorry I didn't believe in you in Portuguese. No. But Fernando sorry i know you're speaking some english sorry
1: i did not believe in you i didn't believe that he would drop him i have to be honest either uh when the news started starting to filter through well, we're like wow what a huge goal that is uh and to be fair he paid off because gonzalo ramos was outstanding scored three goals gave an assist at 21 years old but it's not so much the goal. okay you can you can score goal and he's not going to score a hat trick in every single game in his international career that's for sure but he's just, he was, there was no fear. The first goal that finished, I mean, it's, it takes courage to, take a, to, 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 to even try to finish like that on your wrong foot in that kind of position. And he goes top corner, everything was going his way. It was incredible. It was helped by the fact that Swiss, the Swiss were terrible. I think Yakin got the, the team and the tactics wrong completely. They were not fully fit, etc. So, okay, but still, what well, performance under that kind of pressure for a young player like Gonzalo Ramos?
0: I, I'm also imagining Gonzalo Ramos here, right? sort of, he's a young player, he's here like, he's a good player hopefully have a great career, but in terms of technical ability, when he looks around and he sees Joao Felix, he sees ben Rafael Leao he sees Bernardo Silva he sees Cristiano, obviously there's got to be something in you even Otavio, he says like
1: I'm not as good as these guys. No, but he's a great finisher. That's why he showed with Benfica in the Champions League, in the league, and I think all he had to do... That, but but that's I mean, that, that belief, right? Yeah. He's not an obvious kind of...
0: You look at him and, wow, what a prospect, right? No, definitely. Uh, but he's smart. He's hardworking. Great movement in the box as well now, on the second goal and the first goal. to get this, because you know the Cristiano maniacs are going to be after us on social media. Would, how many of the three goals would Cristiano have scored? So I watched. thought,
1: being honest, because I, I, I missed the game because I was coming back from the Morocco game, so I rewatched it after the FC show. Uh, I think the first one is a, is a goal Cristiano can score yeah. because his left foot is so good. The second, the second one, when he, when Gonzalo like, cuts the cross in the, in, the, in the near post, I don't think Cristiano makes this one. The third one... Well, you think he doesn't get there? Yeah, I don't think he gets there on time. Okay. The third one, I think he's probably scored, but maybe yeah. Cristiano would have scored another one Okay. That, another chance that so Cristiano, Cristiano would still score. had a hat trick. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe okay. I don't know. But there you go, like, Cristiano fans. <laughs> and we stick with Cristiano, of course. Gabi yeah, got a huge cheer, a cheer. Sorry, when he came on, and some criticized him. Then after he seemed to not be celebrating with the rest of, with the rest of the team on the pitch, while his sister criticized those who tried to humiliate him. I mean, that yeah. was a, that was a weird night.
0: It was weird. I the thing was, look, for me again, I was I was not at this game. I was watching on television. It seemed to me like when he's warming up and stuff, he's happy, he's a part of the team. Whatever he's feeling inside because he was left out, I thought he, he feels like he's part of the team. He was yeah. giving it to the team. I mean, how could he not, you know, when they're going two, three, four goals up, right? Um, so as I see it, I don't think this is a huge deal. If he wasn't on the pitch celebrating, maybe he had to go get treatment. Who knows? The man's, what, 37 years old, yep. nearly 38. So um, as for his sister... Yeah, come on you're, you're the sister family member get spoken about badly humiliated it's going to hurt you you're going to hit back I, I got no issue with that Brazil turn on the style against Korea and this one is done at halftime Chi yeah. Chi's men wow. win 4-1 to stroll into the quarterfinals Jose, was that the first half the best
1: that we've seen in the tournament yeah, probably. I mean, you could you could count the Spain one against Costa Rica, but Costa Rica is not yeah, South Korea. You're going to so. put Costa Rica no, no. and Korea That's in exactly a on the saying. same That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm just saying you asked me about first half. I give you another good first half. But I'm just saying it's not the same. And as as naive as those South Korean players were, because I th- I thought Bento was naive and so were the players. It doesn't matter. Brazil just literally were unstoppable. And I think he was amazing to watch. To be fair, even just on television, uh, the movement. The inspiration that they had together when Thiago Silva and Marquinhos combined like that for the Richarlison goal—you know that this team is special, because I think Thiago Silva is probably the only centre-back in the world able to give an assist like a Neymar-esque assist, like he did for Richarlison, which was incredible. So well done to them. I don't know how much you've learned because it was too easy in a way, but they also made that game too easy. So we will have to see. But I'm not even sure if Croatia can provide that stronger test either but we're gonna get to that uh, i want to say like i'm a big marquinhos fan
0: you might say in wrestling oh terms. yeah that i'm is a my marquinhos boy, mark you don't think marquinhos could deliver that kind of assist as well
1: maybe yeah. but i still think tiago is yeah, even I better i think it could be two I and been for been Brazil. croatia outlash japan on penalties which must make you very sad gabby
0: i am sad to see japan go out um you know, this is such an emotional game, but I got to, you know, we talk about brave coaches, brave managers making brave decisions. I got, I got to give a shout out to Zlatko Dalic, the Croatia boss, because you're in this game, you're against Japan, who make the subs, who, who you know, they run around. The, 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 things just aren't breaking for you, Petkovic, the ball's bouncing off from left, right, and center up front. And what does he do at one point? He starts taking off. His veterans. The people who took them to the final four years ago against, um, uh, against France, right? Yeah. He takes off Kramaric. Then he takes off Kovacic. Then he takes off Modric. Then he takes off Ivan Perisic, who scored an equalizer yeah. with a great goal. The only guys still out there, left out there, were Lovren from, from the class of 2018. Were Lovren and, of course, the Braz. The Braz, who, by the way, you know how much he ran? 16.9 kilometers. Yeah. It's a new world record for distance cover World Cup. Incredible. Do you know whose record he broke? No. his own record because wow. he's the bras he's part man part they, beast also because they
1: play extra time all the time
0: they do but come on he's special he's I know special. he's special we love um, no but the fact that he took those guys out he brought in these other dudes he brought in that the guy who plays for Ren who never plays he brought in all these guys in yeah, yeah. the Italian we might call Sfigati these kind of guys like, would never be as good and they're the guys who convert the penalties and they're the guys who weren't phased. shout yeah. out to Livakovic yeah, of course, of course, those were some horrendously go. taken uh, penalties yeah. by Japan so, you know, and afterwards, so emotional about Croatia, the pain, the suffering. And do remember he went
1: on to this, uh, what did he do before the World Cup again? He went on to this walk. Of he, p- to yeah, pil- yeah. Pilgrim- yeah. he went on a
0: pilgrimage Pilgrim- to Medjugorje. Yeah. Are you saying this? He went on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje, which is, in a, a, if, if you're Catholic, Croatia is a very Catholic country. It's it's a holy site for uh a, for Catholics, although I'm not sure it's 100% recognized by the Catholic Church, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but you know, he oh, praised the footage. He's a very devout amazing. man, and just just the emotion in him, um, I thought, I yep. thought was pretty special. Okay, Jules. Uh, as I said, we'll have another show in between the, the the days of the quarterfinals.
1: So let's look ahead to the first two. Which is uh, starting with Holland and Argentina. Ah, uh, this one is tasty. Not just because everybody remembers, for example, the Dennis Bergkamp goal in 1998 in Marseille, mm-hmm. uh, but also because I think there's a, there's a, there's an opposition of styles between the way those two teams plays. 2014, Sao Paulo. Tw- yeah,
0: I was there. That was the game where Louis van Gaal sent on Tim Krul for the penalties to, for the penalty kicks. I was in Sao Paulo. I was freezing. I was so freaking cold. I was next to our colleague, Damian Di Donato, whose who's head nearly exploded from ESPN Argentina, who's honestly, he was, he was in pain. He was bellowing and shouting. I mean, it was pretty incredible.
1: Anyway, sorry. Sure. I've, I've, no, 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 I, I'm just I, saying I like, this, you, but... one, this one on the pitch is going to be fascinating the tactical battles between Van Halen and Scaloni, of course. There's doubt over Rodrigo De Paul, who might who might be out, which would be a terrible news for for Argentina. There's Messi, who's doing like Twitch live Twitch with Cun Aguero from his camp. I mean, this is amazing, which shows that they're in good spirit, the Argentine. They don't feel the pressure. The fans are with them. It's a 12, it's a twelfth man. I think this one is very hard to call. You could say that. I think Holland, the Netherlands, sorry, have the game to cause problems to Argentina. And they can well leave them the ball, attract them. And then Memphis and Gakpo and, and the others could hit them on the counter, Dumfries. But I think, I think this one is a very tight one to call.
0: Do, do we take it as red that Van Gaal is going to be defensive, try to hit on the counter? 100%. A set piece here, 100%. a moment of magic from Memphis
1: there. But sometimes they're going to press them high. And I think they could get the ball back quite high the Netherlands, against this Argentina team. So I'm still not too convinced on how they can beat the press and get the ball to Messi at the top of the pitch. So it's going to be amazing. We talked about Argentina's fluidity issues, but I think this one's really close. Yeah. And the other quarterfinal that will be on Friday, Gab, is Croatia that we just mentioned against Brazil. And Zlatko Dalic doesn't seem intimidated at all. No, I love what I he love. came out wow. and he said. He said, look, you know,
0: I'm not going to say this game is 50-50, but we're by no means outsiders. Brazil have never played against a team like us that's so good in possession that, that wants to keep control, the ball. Yeah. By the way, they struggled a little bit to keep yeah. possession against Japan. Yeah, they, they did. But they can be great in possession. And I wonder what happens. I wonder if the game plan is Brozovic, Kovacic, and Luka Modric keeping the ball. Make him chase you around. Let's yeah. see. This they Let's might see. want to come and help out? You're just going to leave true. it down to Por Casemiro and, and the packet yeah. trying to stop them. Exactly. I think that's going to that, that, be huge. They are underdogs. They're, yeah. they're big underdogs. But they have that. By the way, Croatia's record in, um, in knockouts, last eight knockout games, seven of those eight have gone into extra time Amazing. or penalties. And Croatia's won most of them. The one which hasn't, of course, the 98, the, the 2018 final against France. Yeah. So. Listen, if Brazil should win this, but it's not going to, I think, it's Croatia not going to be, we'll make, sure. make them suffer. They're going to lay on a, a, a world of hurt. Yeah. Back to Cristiano Ronaldo because too much Ronaldo is never enough after that Switzerland game.
1: <laughs> he denied reports that he had committed to Al Nasser. Well, there's a shock. There's a shock. And like we discussed, I think he was yesterday when we were having lunch. Why would he commit now anyway? He can take his time. He can't wait to see the other offers that are coming in from during the World Cup, after the World Cup. He's got plenty of time to agree anything yeah. until January 1st, for example. So there's no reason for him to sort of like either panic or maybe panic is the wrong word, but to rush things off and just go like, yeah, Al Nasser, that's, uh, that's all I have for right. now, which might be different in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So here we go. I sign here and I'm coming for two and a half years with you. No, we all know. It's not like is going to be a January 1st. Exactly. Sorry, Habibi. We don't want you anymore. January 1st. No yeah. Jordan a million for you and sticking with ronaldo gab danny townsend who runs the uh, a-league revealed that they made inquiries about him but that he has other plans what does that mean it means he does not want to, to, to australia. australia a simple ass look hey look mate
0: you took your shot right with cristiano ronaldo he had to try um yeah don't blame me for it exactly. some mischievous media suggests Kylian mbappe may ah. be for the game against england Jules, listen All yesterday lies,
1: right and yesterday france are training at six o'clock right and at 6.01, my phone's starting literally exploding with messages saying, where's Killian? Kingland is not training. What's happening? Is he injured? Is he tired? Is he going to be there? Is he going to be there? Like, I'm, like, whoa. He was doing a recovery session indoors, like just taking it easy. I don't think he particularly fancied to be out there. Uh, with Because the ones he's unfit, that's why, because he's nursing and injury. Because he's just like, he said, like, you know what, I'm going to take it easy today. Right. Today, he trained normally. It's going to be the same 11 against England that started against Denmark. And against Poland, Poland so there's no, there's no problem. But I could see why the English got excited. Oh, maybe no, Kilian. Maybe Same 11? Kylian. Same 11. So Kareem's yeah. c- going to be on the bench, yeah? <laughs> ah,
2: no,
1: imagine. Okay. Remember the pinched Vader with the rainbow flag in the uh, Portugal-Uruguay game? Well, it turns out he was an Italian guy. Yes, that's why I remember him well. He's, nice. he's another Look, there aren't many of us Italians at the World Cup.
0: He's one of them. <laughs> uh, he had the rainbow flag. He had, a, he had a shirt supporting Ukraine on one side, supporting Iranian women on the other. And I think his flag wasn't the LGBT flag. I think it was, it was a peace flag, wasn't it? Like, yes, I think uh, so, too. turns out the police took him in. Within 30 minutes, uh, he said they were very nice to him. They gave him coffee. They gave him a croissant. Yep. And suddenly, who shows up? Gian Infantino. He says, like, all right, look. Appreciate what you did. We're going to get you out of there. And he's already back in Italy. So, you know, he's not in some dungeon somewhere. Yeah. After Ben White, Raheem Sterling has also gone home for personal
1: reasons. Jules, is this a big deal for England as they prepare for France? Uh, Yeah, well, it's always a big deal if you're missing out two players in your squad that you may have wanted to bring on. Not so much Ben White, maybe, but Raheem Sterling, I think, could have been a... You know, a good player to have on the bench to bring on if, if needed. He might be there. He might come back between now and Saturday. He might not. There's, his house has been burgled, but we're not really sure exactly what the context, what the details are, where his children and his family was. All yeah, that kind of conflicting thing. conflicting reports. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so let's see. He says he's not in the right frame of mind to be over here. We have to believe him, of course. Let's hope that he's okay, can deal with it, and then can come back to help his team, because surely that's he wants to play World Cup, Right. Of course. So if he comes back on Saturday, uh, is it
0: going to be to watch uh, England in the semi-final or to watch France in the
1: semi-final? Oh, oh. Trying to get good prediction out of you. Yeah, I think to watch France in the okay. semi-final. Oh, oh, oh no, no, I think England could win this. <laughs> uh, back to Juventus, Gab. We mentioned that on the other show. It seems like uh, there is nothing but bad news emerging from Italy now. Are they really in danger of relegation? Could that be like, I possible? I don't
0: think they're in danger of relegation or exclusion from European competition. However. This is what they told their shareholders. Now they're listed on the stock exchange. They have a responsibility to go and tell people that they are the risk. So the risk conceivably uh, is there. If, if it turns out, the conclusion is that it's fraud. Again, from what I understand, you know, it's not gonna get to that point. Um, in terms of exclusion, there is an issue with, uh, with the Champions League potentially, because obviously if they, you know, they're under a settled agreement with UEFA, Champions League, and remember, Juventus are a Super League club. Yeah. Some people might feel, could you wait for a little bit vindictive over this? Um, but again, I think these are remote possibilities. Joes, I gave my view on the FC show on this matter, but what's yours?
1: You got a problem with the way Brazil celebrate uh, goals? Well, I, I, can't, I don't understand this debate. I don't know where this is coming from. If they want to dance, they can dance. If they want to like sing, they can sing. If they want to do roly-polies, they can do roly-polies. What do I care? They, everybody's free to celebrate yeah, the I, way they I, want. The celebration where you get a yellow card? Okay, you know if you do it, if you do it you're going to get uh, cautioned. But like, wh- since when are we I, criticizing someone for dancing on the pitch with his mates and then with his coach? I have to say, this is a story
0: where I think we in the media create stories to fill airtime because there's nice visuals to go with them. Really? I think that, other than Roy Keane. Right? Who's the king of old school? Has anybody else actually complained about this? I don't know, but
1: even Roy Keane should not come. I mean, he's I fine. He's got his, but it's in his one man. I mean, legendary player, but yeah. like, it's not a thing. I, I think. don't know. The German FA have parted ways with longtime uh, head of sport Oliver Beerhoff, and Per Mertesacker, who's currently obviously head of the academy, Arsenal, has been linked with the job. Would that be a good appointment, Gabi? So you probably know Per
0: Mertesacker better than I do. I, I I've do had the privilege it. of meeting him once off the pitch. He, he helped out tremendously. Uh, uh, the, the, the son of a friend of mine who, uh, who sadly passed away with, with leukemia when he was 15 years old was a big... I mean, talk about seriously no, he's got, he's going out of hand his on way. His heart, yeah. It was funny. It was him him and Hector Bellerin were the two... Bellerin who. We've made fun of sometimes as a footballer, but as a human being, these are two guys who, you know, they went way out of their way. Um, He's smart. He's written a book where he actually comes across very, very well. I I wonder, though, you know, working with the Arsenal Academy, you work every day, right, with kids and so on. You're much more, I think, hands-on. With the FA, there's going to be long periods where it's going to feel like you're not working. It's a very different kind of job yeah. certainly would be
1: a major loss for arsenal yeah I definitely i think so too samuel leto is in trouble jules Ooh. what's he done? yeah quite incredible scenes really outside i think the um the brazil game maybe i can't remember what game he was watching anyway he got into an argument with a uh algerian youtuber who was there filming they had some words they exchanged words we don't know exactly what was said but remember Cameroon knocked out algeria from in the World Cup playoff at the last yeah. second of the game in, in, in extra time. And the next thing you see the Algerian YouTuber is kind of kneeling on the floor or something like that. And then all arrives and just literally kneels him in the face. Uh, incredible scenes. All on camera, all on film, all on video. You can find the video if you want. Then it all apologizes, of course, for his behavior, should not have hit the, the, the fan. Um, and I mean I don't know, I don't know what's next because the guy went to the police. I don't know if there would be an investigation. Yeah. What would be the next step? But I it's not a good look anywhere for Samuel. No. So you
0: don't do things. No, uh, his apology also was a bit of a okay, a bit of a non-apology. Yeah, apology. yeah. The in ones the that sen- they usually do. Yeah. Well, in the sense that this guy, you say he's a fan, he's a YouTuber, yeah. and, and you know he goes around and he films him and he shouts questions at him about, I think it was Gasama about the officiating in that game. Yeah, yeah. The referee was it corrupt, whatever. Yeah. And I can see how that would be incredibly annoying. But I also want to stress with the stadia, I don't know if this guy's credentialed for the World Cup, if it was where he's not supposed to be. Obviously, you cannot lay hands on somebody unless they lay hands on you first. Yeah, yeah. You know, or, or unless they mess with your kids or something, which is not what happened here. Personally, I find it surprising that Samuel Littell is still at this World Cup. Uh, you know, he's here in a FIFA capacity. I yeah. think he's, he's an invited guest. I think, from FIFA's perspective, listen, it would be best, Samuel, if Definitely. we don't see
1: you again. Definitely. Joao Felix. No, I think that's my Yeah, Yeah, Joao Felix says the level of joy is completely different playing for Portugal than for Atletico Madrid. No, really? Gav, can you see where it's coming from? You know how critical uh, I've been with Joao Felix. I know. But it
0: does fill my heart when you see a skillful oh, player he's scoring lovely. and laughing. He's so lovely. Now, if I asked you, who's more joyful in real life, who would you rather go for a meal with and more likely to make you laugh, Diego Simeone yeah. or Fernando Santos?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one.
0: It's not a tough one. I've been for a meal with Diego Simeone. He's hilarious. He's funny. The other guy is always morose and always looks grumpy. But he plays Joao Felix, unlike Simeone. Very he true. trusts Joao Felix, unlike Simeone. And by the way, I've defended Simeone's choice of leaving Joao Felix out. I got an issue here. Not surprised at all. He enjoys playing for Fernando Santos more.
1: Yeah, completely agree. That's Jules, the last one. And finally,
0: Jules, and this is from Cristiano Ronaldo, uh. but it's from us too. Cristiano... We agree with you 1 million percent. He says of Pelé, our king has to get better soon. He is the king. He is Orey. Yeah. Pelé, uh, we're all thinking of you. We're all cheering for you. I think this is where Messi fans, Cristiano
1: fans, I think everybody can agree yeah, on. Yeah, all the fans. Yeah, that's exactly the same message that Kylian Mbappe had, for example, on social media, saying, you know, we pray for the king. I think everybody, the world of football, but even outside of football, is behind you, Pelé. So let's, we hope that you get better very, very soon and you can, you know. Enjoy the football and this, the end of this World Cup. We're still going to enjoy the football. We're going to have two
0: quarterfinals coming up. Yes. We're going to be back in 48 hours, just 40 hours from now. That's right, on Friday. Uh, until then, as ever, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.